Welcome into the 11th episode of a sports podcast that captures everything you want to know as the buzzer sounds at the end of any sports game. It's Will Farlow here with you this evening on April 11, 2018, welcoming listeners to the 11th episode of Will's 5th Quarter Special. We are going to touch on various key subjects, starting with an update in the offseason for the Illinois State men's basketball team. The ISU softball team is coming off two wins last weekend at Loyola Chicago with their strong hitting offense. How can that continue for this weekend's three-game home series against the Evansville Purple Aces? The Redbird baseball team at Illinois State fell to U of I Tuesday, but won a home game Wednesday against St. Francis. How can the Redbirds continue to play strong in this weekend's road series against the Indiana State Sycamores? The Chicago Bulls have their final regular season game tonight at the United Center against the Detroit Pistons. What are the bright spots from year one of the Bulls' rebuild? The 2018 NFL Draft is just two weeks away. What player will the Chicago Bears select at 8th overall? Also in the headlines this afternoon, the Chicago Bears did not match Cam Meredith's offer sheet as he becomes a New Orleans Saint. Where does this leave the Bears' wide receiving core currently and moving forward? The Chicago White Sox have opened their 2018 season with a decent start. How will they bounce back from their series at home against Tampa Bay to their upcoming series this weekend on the road against the Minnesota Twins? The show will also close out with the original fun segment of Will's Sports Movie Moments. We have an interesting update that I'm going to share with the listeners here. It, this afternoon, it has been released by Dan Moeller and the Illinois State men's basketball team that the Redbirds will add 6'3 guard Josh Jefferson from Lakeland College to their roster for the 2018-2019 school year. We here at Will's Fifth Quarter Special will continue to keep you posted throughout the offseason of Illinois State men's and women's basketball as it continues. And we also have a current player on the team from Lakeland College, William Tinsley. So just touching out to the listeners here, if you don't know, the, the guard depth at Illinois State after, before this season start, they lost five of their top eight starters. They, they lost some depth there. They had Elijah Clarence who came up in real good things. So just a lot to look forward to for this team. We can't wait to see what they do next year. And as we mentioned, we will keep you posted continuously as their season moves forward. We're going to start with Illinois State softball on the campus of ISU here and as we mentioned they won two games against Loyola Chicago last weekend April 7th that was a Saturday 3 p.m. tip-off last weekend the game won they won three to nothing they won eight to nothing in five innings on that Sunday at noon so I'm guessing that's some type of mercy rule here in softball I'm still getting more accustomed to the rules of collegiate softball but game three and we're seeing it on the campus ourselves here with the baseball games as they followed as we're walking around the campus. Cancellations. There was a game cancellation of Game 3 that Sunday at 2.30. That was canceled, so that was a two-game series for ISU against Loyola. And then they went to DePaul right after that Monday at 4 p.m. That game was also canceled. So it looks like, you know, we talked about it there. The weather is really impacting it. They have on the road coming up, they will face the Evansville Purple Aces in a three-game series. Just the first question for this team. When you look at the stats so far this year, I've heard a lot around the campus. Impressive pitcher to watch. Now, we talk about Sarah Fink all the time with Redbird softball. She's very impressive. She has her last season right now trying to go out on a high note, I'm sure, on her end. But Morgan Day is the pitcher I've heard a lot about, and she's doing really well so far in her rookie year. I've talked to a few reporters with the Vedette here on campus that are just impressed with. I believe her first official start was against the Florida Gators. Now, with non-conference teams, top high opponents like that, you never know what's going to happen with a team like Illinois State. You know, they could have the chance, and she didn't have the outcome she was looking for, but I heard she's 
been continuing her growth. Hopefully that continues for her and the team. But the thing we're going to touch on the most right now with this team is the hitting. You saw the team last year. They've added more bats to that, moving Melissa Weeble to center field. They have a new infielder right now at third base as well. So just they have continued to hit the ball well offensively to complement their pitching. How can ISU continue that this weekend at home against the Purple Aces? Something interesting, in fact, she was interviewed by the Vedette her first season here last year. And one of the things she got asked was she originally was playing outfield for a while, I guess, when the team was starting out. And then Coach Fisher found that third base was open and uh, she said, Weeble, you're going to play third. She said, OK, great. So it seems like from what I've seen as well with their last few games here, she's able to do well at outfield. I think... We see it in baseball. You see it in softball as well. The way, the situation where you can play multiple positions. In this day and age, there's a lot of players that can handle multiple positions. So the Illinois State Redbirds, as we mentioned, they in their last game against Loyola, we're just going to pull up the stats here from Saturday's game. As we mentioned, there was only two games in that series. Correction, that's a Sunday game. So we're going to pull up the stats from Sunday's game here. Alyssa Weeble, in fact... Batted one for three with a run scored, but their top hitter, and I can't talk enough about this infield for the ISU softball team. That's something I've touched on a lot on this show. It continues to show for this team how strong her infield is. And Andrea Corsi, she's new to that infield right now. She was batting one for two in that last game with a run scored. This team can hit the ball, and we're talking about the pitchers here. Shannon Feldy is also another pitcher that we see bat the ball well, one for two with a run scored. And we're going to hope Illinois State can continue their solid growth. Let's keep those bats awake early and prepared as they face the Purple Aces of Evansville. The first game of that three-game series at Marion Canoe Stadium will be Saturday at noon. You can catch that on ESPN3 and WZND on the campus of ISU for all three games. Game two will be the second of Saturday. It's a doubleheader Saturday for the softball team at Illinois State. April 14th, 2.30 will be the tip-off of the second game. Game three, the rubber match of that three-game series for Illinois State and Evansville, is April 15th, this Sunday at 11 a.m. Now going into the ISU baseball team, we're going to touch on it briefly here. They had a game just thrown in this afternoon. We heard about it the last few days with the baseball team, you know, with the weather as well. They're dealing with the same issues the softball team has. They're not able to get games in on certain days. I know we were supposed to play U of I here at home for both softball and baseball, and we were unable to get those games to go through. And the ISU Redbirds, they won today 11-3 against St. Francis of Illinois. That was a 3 p.m. tip-off today. And they lost on the road, though, yesterday to a very... Very impressive Big Ten baseball team from what I saw on that call for WZND. Pleasure to be part of ZND. Just a shout out to the radio station there. A 4-2 loss to U of I. And there was a hitter for U of I. I'm just going to touch on that right now. Brent Spillane is a very impressive hitter in collegiate baseball. I know my partner on the call there, Nick Landy, and I were talking about it. This man can just hit the ball. His average is in the 450s. He's, bat he's batting 455 going into yesterday's game. They have really impressive pitching. We saw Tyler Jay go through that program. But Illinois State, one of the things I noticed, just to open the talk here with the, about the baseball team at ISU, their pitching was very questionable in terms of relief appearances because you have Sebi and, you know, you have Sebi, Peplo, some of those guys in. And, you know, you see the way the team's playing. The hitting was there. But Douglas, you know, the starter for U of I in the beginning of the game, he was just, he was able to get to the batters. But for U of I, the pitcher that was really impressive in the bullpen, you know, was Joey Gerber. He came into that game with 20 strikeouts, 8 saves, 
Just a really impressive game for him. And something interesting, we were talking about the catcher Jeff Cordy from U of I. ISU got across two runs, but interesting enough, those first two runs, those only two runs they had, as a matter of fact, came the same exact way. A sacrifice fly that brought in the runner. You know, credit to Joe Isles. He brought in that first one real well, and then, then Noah Sadler and Joe Isles in the end of the game there became the heroes, each scoring what would be the only two runs Illinois State had. But just looking at the relievers right here, we see Kyle Pauly. He made his first start. Now, when you have a midweek game, that's going to happen. You know, your coach is going to, like Bo Durkax is going to use his best foot forward here and try and give his pitchers a little more time to, you know, get some innings in. You know, when you have a midweek game, that's what you're going to do. And the Redbirds are looking for continued bright spots with their young pitchers this week. You know, we saw that a lot with the U of I game. Dallas Baptist I had a chance to talk to Bo Durkak after yesterday's loss to U of I. And he's talked about how well their pitching's following instructions from the pitching coach and Durkak himself. And just, they're playing as a team together. They're, fight, they're fighting against tough teams. That's what they're doing their best to do. They're trying to be as successful as possible. So with those bright spots you're able to see with this young pitching, they won a... Another midweek game today, 11-3 against St. Francis of Illinois. Jack Spicer, who was the starter for Illinois State today, he got the win. And Derek Parole is a name I'm noticing right now in this lineup. We talk about the way this team's played. You think of Noah Sadler, Joe Isles, Owen Miller, Colin Braithwaite, who was in left field today, as a matter of fact. Nick Zoris DHing, and they had Hayes at catcher today. So we talk about the success they were looking for at U of I. They faced U of I and only lost by two. Against a Big Ten team, a mid-major school like ISU, that's a very big accomplishment. We've seen in various sports, especially baseball, the beauty of it is expect the unexpected. Anything could happen. ISU showed that yesterday. A lot of credit to Bo Durkak and his team, you know, dealing with turf in the outfield. Because at Duffy Bash, we don't have turf in the outfield. We just have a turf infield. Where U of I, that whole field is turf. It's a beautiful field, but it's only turf. So the Redbirds are looking for continue to sustain success after a win like they just found today against St. Francis. A close game yesterday at U of I. That was a that was a big game for them. Another big game after, you know, the homestand against Dallas Baptist, pulling out one of those three this past weekend. They face the Indiana State Sycamores this weekend. So if you're Bo Durkek and the Redbirds, you're looking to continue that success. As we mentioned, the Illinois State Redbird baseball team kicks off a three-game road stand on the road at Terre Haute, Indiana. Missouri Valley Conference division rivalry it'll be for the Redbirds this week, and they will have the test of facing. Game 1, Friday tip-off, 5.30 p.m. first pitch against Indiana State. Game 2, Saturday, April 14th, 1 p.m. This Sunday, the Game 3 rubber match of the three-game road stand for the Redbirds at noon. So check out that, folks. More Illinois State baseball will be coming your way. Hopefully more victory. Now going into the professional sports segment. The Chicago Bulls. Tank mode. The Bulls are in tank mode. The Chicago Bulls are entering their final regular season game of the season against a division rival. They will be visited by Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, and the Detroit Pistons coached by Stan Van Gundy. We've seen a lot from this Pistons team that's very impressive, you know, They've had injury issues maybe at the guard a little bit here and there with a guy like Reggie Jackson, who's a solid player. But the Bulls right now, before this game kicks off, it's a 7 p.m. tip-off at the United Center in Chicago, Illinois. 27-54, the Chicago Bulls come in. And the Pistons, they're on the outside of the eight seeds in the Eastern Conference looking in, trying to get a spot there. 
We saw the Bulls in the early 2010s find a playoff spot at 41-41. and 41. So Pistons, they're trying to get in the playoffs. I think they're going to get just a little too close to not making it. We'll find out. So just opening talk about this game here. Whenever you see a team rebuilding, we saw it with the Philadelphia 76ers the last few years. We saw it with the Minnesota Timberwolves a while back. The Atlanta Hawks are in the same spot as the Bulls right now. The Grizzlies, the Suns. There's a lot of teams up that list of those lottery picks that are in the same situation as Chicago. So we're going to look at the Bulls season as a whole right now. You get that trade with Jimmy Butler draft night this past offseason. You bring in a few key players you know, with Laurie Markkinen, Denzel Valentine coming back, all those young kids. You have a lot of young players this year. I felt like this is just my opening prediction about what we can expect from the team's future from this year here. They played well, very well under Fred Hoiberg. Not just well, but they were competitive. I mean, with a rebuild team, you know, with Philly, it was a train wreck. You know, fans had paper bags on their heads. The point is, the Bulls have a future, and I'm, I'm going to Give my main opinion on it here. Even before the rebuild, they had young players like Bobby Portis, Jerry and Grant, who they got in the Derrick Rose trade. They had some pieces already going into the rebuild, but Fred Hoiberg finally has a team that he could play with because his coaching style, did I don't think it fit Jimmy Butler too well. A lot of those veterans that the Bulls are said goodbye to and will probably maybe trade. I've heard Justin Holiday if they end up going to Michael Bridges in the draft or a type of guard like that, a two-guard or a three-guard spot at forward, that Holiday might make a good trade piece. We'll find out. But the key question coming into their final regular season game, the Bulls are looking now... Of course, the lottery uh, uh, possible order before the lottery can be, you know, fluctuated. You know, we've seen that. But there's been a lot of interesting points about the Chicago Bulls, where they're at right now. Before they started the tank mode last year, when they made the Jimmy Butler trade, they were trying to get at least a top five draft pick. But the way it's looking right now, a lot of mock drafts, and that's what we have to depend on right now because the draft's still a good month and a half or so away here, at least a month. They're slated at least 7th or 8th overall. That's not terrible. That's where they were able to get Laurie Markin in that trade with the Timberwolves at number 7. A very good pick. But there's still a whole offseason to come. So there's not really much we could say right now. But if the listeners do not know, in the social media, the Bulls are very good with uh, how they're promoting who's at the game, whether it be Scottie Pippen as their ambassador or any other players that are related to the team or guests from around Chicago. Like when Mr. Bisky was there, it was cool to see. But... Michael Porter Jr., he is a small forward, power forward, 6'10", from the University of Missouri. He had an injury that sidelined him most of the year, but he was able to play a little bit. That's key for the NBA teams right now because that was a big question for the draft. And, you know, let's say Philly falls to him or the Bulls do fall to him. Chicago was actually scouting him last year before our season even started here in the NBA earlier in October there. So it's very curious to see a draft prospect near where the Bulls will be drafting like Michael Porter Jr. Because in my opinion here, I think Laurie Markkinen could easily play center or power forward wherever the Bulls put him there. He's got that size, 7 foot. I call him the Porzingis of the uh, Midwest. I think, let's say, if you do have Bagley follow you, if he doesn't go top three, that's the beautiful thing about the NBA draft. Anything can happen. You never know what players are going to follow you. But I think having Doug Collins as your consultant, you know, one of the main assistants on that scouting team for the Bulls. I mean, they get Jimmy Butler and Taj Gibson in the earlier 2000s years past, later rounds of the draft. They took Derrick Rose instead of taking a Michael Beasley, who's still trying to find his way in the league. The main point is this scouting team, now a lot of fans are slamming the Bulls scouting department, Garn Packs. I'm on the other end where I see guys that are doing their best to try and build a team. Now, you never know what cards are going to get dealt. They never knew they were going to have Derrick Rose get injured or Jimmy Butler 
you know, what was going to happen with him or Hoiberg and all that stuff. It's it's a mixture. It's professional sports. Anything could happen. But I think if you're at, let's say the Bulls are at seven and they have that Pelicans pick still, that's the beautiful thing about that Nico Miritich trade they made getting that Pelicans pick, which is, as we mentioned, it looks like it's going to be slated now, projecting they're saying 18th overall. And just a side note with that as well for the listeners here, Houston Rockets, they had 16th and 18th overall because they made a trade in years a few years ago to get that pick. They made two solid picks and... I think if you're the Chicago Bulls right now, you're in a really good spot in the draft. Solid young players, but I'd like to see them go trade young if he falls. But I like Miles Bridges is a very interesting name. Now, a name that has fallen to the Bulls in mock drafts at number 7 or number 8, wherever they end up. Cause they, but Wendell Carter Jr. is a very interesting name. But ideally, I'd see the Bulls getting... They already have some guard depth right now that they can work with with the youth. I think Chris Stone would be a good starter moving forward for this team. You know, he could stay pretty healthy. Is That kid is short, but he is athletic as ever. That kid could run down the court, drive it down like Levine does, any of those guys. A lot of speed on that team. But just a key point here I want to close with here on my points about the Bulls and the upcoming draft, where they're going next year. The sky's the limit for this team. We saw what Philly did. We saw what the T-Wolves did, what the Suns are doing, I think is incredible. Devin Booker, Josh Jackson's an incredible player they're going to have in that program. Ben Dare, Chris. But basically the Bulls are a really strong future. Ideally for me in that draft, now of course it's a month and a half away, but my mock draft would be the Bulls getting a Wendell Carter Jr. or a Michael Porter Jr. from Missouri at number 7 or 8 or a top lottery pick, getting one of those guys, that type of position area. Then you go to 18. At 18, you could have a lot of really good players still available that maybe fell out of the lottery that could have been in the lottery still that were projected there. That could be either a key starter, a key role player. Depends on what the Bulls and Hoiberg want to do when they get those players eventually. But I, I'm going to quote it right here. I think a Miles Bridges at 18 would be a very interesting scenario given the Bulls' current guard depth. They could use more depth at forward alongside Denzel. Him and Denzel could build that camaraderie Michigan State has. Uh, Miles Bridges is a really good scorer, has a lot of speed, and Hoiberg could just, and we're, they're talking about with Mac Nagy and the Chicago Bears, you get two really good Bulls players with good shooting and speed and defense here, Fred Hoiberg is just going to be plugging away. Now, of course, the draft is a long way away here at Will's Fifth Quarter Special, but we'll we'll continue to cover it as any draft updates come forward, any standings, wherever the Bulls would stand in the draft. We're going to keep you guys posted there, but their final regular season game, as we mentioned earlier here in the Bulls part of the show, 2017-54 and 54 record Chicago Bulls will face the 38-43 and 43 record Detroit Pistons, their division rival in the conference there, in the Eastern Conference. That game will tip off the United Center tonight at 7 p.m. Now going into the Chicago Bears, we're going to touch on the up Coming NFL draft in two weeks, I believe it's in Dallas. The Bears are picking at eighth overall in the first round of the draft. Now, for a team that didn't do what we always expected they were going to do this year, you know, we, a lot of people said four wins, three wins, five wins, eight wins. The Bears were able to get a very good pick right now. I say they're at least a few players away, a, a, a set of players away in the draft, and two free agents from being a contender this year. They they took a while to find the piece they're looking for getting out of their Jay Cutler phase, getting out of the one-year Mike Glennon phase we thought was going to be three years or whatever it was going to be. But they have a direction right now. The Bears are gearing up for the upcoming draft soon. There's so many mock drafts out there, it's kind of hard to tell as fans and just sports fans here in Chicago and in Illinois what the Bears are going to do. Ryan Pace is obviously very well experienced in the draft as we've seen in years past in his time so far as the Chicago Bears GM. You're picking at number eight. You're Ryan Pace with the Chicago Bears. Seeing where this team is right now, 
Who do you see them picking at eighth overall? I think they're going to go, a lot of people are saying O-line. I'd like to see cornerback, but a player that really excites me in this draft is Bradley Chubb, the defensive end out of NC State. They have an extra fourth round pick. You can trade up a few spots, you know, the Jets. Number three, that, that really sets a good tone for the Bears because we know there's a lot of quarterbacks that are going to go at least top four. Thanks, Cleveland, for having one and four. It'll help the Bears cause there. I think Chubb will hopefully follow the Bears, but I'd say they should trade up a few picks if they can. Maybe if it's at least five with Denver, or even if they do have to go three, you go and get Chubb. But if, ideally, if they can't move anywhere and they're stuck at eight still, that's still a really good pick. I could see Ridley, but... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to go with, if he falls, Micah Fitzpatrick. Just news coming out this afternoon. Wide receiver from Illinois State that went to the Bears as an undrafted free agent just two years ago, Cam Meredith. His two-year $10 million offer sheet that he signed is official. The Bears did not pick up and match the offer sheet at the 3 o'clock deadline this afternoon. Cam Meredith is now officially a New Orleans Saint. So Chicago Bears losing a wide receiver in two weeks before the draft. Where does this lead the receiving core for Chicago now that Cam Meredith is a New Orleans Saint? As we mentioned, the NFL draft coming up in just two weeks. The Chicago Bears will have their number called. Now, of course, barring any draft trades, as we see in past few years, trades come at the most unexpected times, and the NFL drafts can change any draft board for any team. The Chicago Bears will pick at number eight overall. As we mentioned, Cam Meredith is now a New Orleans Saint. He leaves the Chicago Bears. Best of luck to him. Now going into the Chicago White Sox here. The White Sox have just finished a regular season homestand against the Tampa Bay Rays. And the weather was definitely interesting here. But the White Sox, as a matter of fact, pulled out a 2-1 win today. New White Sox reliever that was brought up from the minors, Bruce Rondon, getting his first major league. The White Sox won 2-1. They now head... On the road this weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, a four-game homestand against the division rival Minnesota Twins. Paul Molitor is a really impressive player. He had a very impressive career during his playing time, and he's the manager for Minnesota right now. They brought in so many more pitchers to improve that staff. Michael Pineda, Lance Lynn on a one-year deal as well, bringing in Jake Odorizzi from Tampa Bay. Miguel Sano, the White Sox are going to have their odds against them here, I think, a little bit. But I'm going to use the line a lot of Chicago baseball fans for the White Sox love to hear right now in this rebuild in year two. Ricky's boys don't quit. I love that line. I think Rick Gretaria is going to be known as another well-known White Sox manager, no matter, depending on how long he's here for. They're in a decent spot for a rebuild team. I mean, we just, these guys are hitting the ball out of the park. The White Sox right now. They might not have the best record in the league right now, but they have the, one of the highest home run totals. They're getting on base consistently. The pitching's doing its job. Ronaldo Lopez is doing what we, as we talked about on the show recently so far, before the season, he's doing what we're expecting him to do, continuing that growth. They're in a decent spot overall. They head on the road, as we mentioned, a four-game series against Minnesota Twins. Game one of the White Sox road four-game series against the Minnesota Twins in Target Field in Minnesota. That first game, April 12th, will be Lucas Giolito going to the mound for the Southsiders against Jose Barrios. The White Sox will then send in game two Friday, 7-10 p.m., Ronaldo Lopez, followed with April 14th, 1-10 p.m. That's this Saturday, Miguel Gonzalez against Lance Lynn. And the rubber match will be Carson Fulmer against Jake Odorizzi. The Chicago Cubs pitching has just been so much improved the last few years for this team. 
Now, of course, Jake Arrieta is out the door. We wish him the best as Chicago sports fans in Philadelphia with the Phillies and that pitching staff under Aaron Noah. But Epstein and Jed Hoyer just making the moves they need to make this team better no matter where they come from or how they need to be done. They're like Rick Hahn on the south side. They both share the ideas of building a solid team that can compete long term. I could see that on the north side as they, after they won 2016, they want to keep that going for those fans, those fans that have waited 100 years for just that success that they used to see in the team's recent, recent history. Cubs pitching has shown great improvements so far. Doesn't leave room for more growth because whenever you see a team that sees those improvements with you, Darvish, or Kyle Hendricks, who's pitching pretty well this year, Q, who a favorite of mine as well, he had a really good last few game. I believe he left only three hits in the game. So the Chicago Cubs continue their solid growth so far this year. They will be hosting the Pittsburgh Pirates in a three-game homestand. So a lot to look forward there for the Northsiders. Hopefully better weather as well for both the Chicago White Sox and Chicago Cubs moving forward this season. Now heading into Will's sports movie moment. We all have our favorite moments, not just in the sports we watch, but in our own favorite sports movies. This segment gives myself, my guest host, and our listeners at home a chance to pick their favorite moment from their favorite sports movie and compare it to modern day sports. Listeners can hop onto the official Facebook page of the podcast and the Twitter page, as well as the Snapchat, and post their own sports movie moment favorites. I'm going to go to a baseball movie we've all seen before. It's maybe one you haven't seen. It's called The Final Season. It's about a high school in Norway. I don't remember the state at this point in time, but there was a very well-known coach there, and there was a new coach played by Sean Aston that came to this team, a lot of new players. And I'm going to compare it to the Chicago White Sox here in their rebuild right now. They're in the same spot this team was. They have a core of young guys that are already either up with the team or coming with the team. They face some adversity, but it, the interesting part of this story is how this was a small school in a small town, and they were nearby a really big town that wanted to merge with them. So they would merge high schools, meaning they wouldn't have the Norway baseball team that's, as it was mentioned in the movie, continued its great success. They were like a Dallas Baptist University, essentially, in the the movie. And Sean Astin took over for this older coach that didn't want to be part of this one-year thing left. He didn't want to be part of it. And the scene I want to talk about is there was a really tough pitcher that could just sting the ball really hard. They talked about in the movie scene how he was being scouted by the Yankees and other teams in the you know Major League Baseball in this movie. And Sean Astin just took his team through that season. They played probably the best season they would have had ever in that for that team in Norway in that movie. And the scene I want to talk about is how one of their batters, this was also one of the main characters in Sky High, which is a Disney favorite of mine. He was up to bat. You know, he was a kid from a town in the city, had some issues with his parents, but came with his grandparents. And it, it, it changed him, you know, being part of this team, a culture Changed him as a person. Yeah, I love seeing that in baseball. But the scene is, he's up to bat. You know, he's trying to get this team in the right spot. And Norway ends up winning. They end up winning the game. And yes, they do have to merge schools. But it, it, it's called the final season in the, the title. And they had a really great final season. I think this mirrors how the White Sox are developing under Rick Renteria, a new coach after one in the older regime left. And... Just the young players continuing to develop. They have a lot of key players there, and it's going to match with the White Sox there, so that's my sports movie moment. The final season, if you haven't heard of it, it's on YouTube. It's in the movie stores, theaters, Netflix, whatever you watch, listeners. Check out the final season. 
featuring Sean Aston. That is all the time we have in episode 11 of Will's Fifth Quarter Special. Tune in next time as we will have guest co-host Neil Doyle come join us on the show once again to help touch on the season of ISU baseball and softball and where they stand along with updated MLB season talk of the Chicago Cubs and White Sox. And the big feature on episode 12 moving forward will be the Chicago Bears NFL Draft Special as it takes place in two weeks, followed by Will's Sports Movie Moment. Reach out to us on the Will's Fifth Quarter Special Facebook page and our website contact me page, williamdfarlow.com. We're also on Snapchat and Twitter. When the fourth quarter buzzer sounds, turn to us for your fifth quarter sports talk. I'm your host, Will Farlow, saying so long from Will's Fifth Quarter Special.